What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Styles Files. I am your host, Alan Styles, and thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you're having a good week, enjoying the sun. If it's sunny where you are, it definitely is in California. Speaking of California and the Bay Area, this week, I'm happy to say we have another guest, um, Bay Area now, but from Philadelphia, we have Jason Dumas here, who is the sports director and anchor for Cron 4 News. And if you've grown up in the Bay Area, Cron 4 is pretty much a staple. So Jason, very excited to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. Um, how's it going, man? Thank you for having me, Alan. I appreciate uh, you reaching out. I really do. Um, and I'm doing good, man. You know, especially in this, in this time in our society, I'm healthy and I have a job. So that's a blessing. That's a win in itself. So I have absolutely no complaints. Yeah, I saw on your Twitter that you were at at least one of the last couple of Giants A's games. I don't know if you're going every day. Yeah, I was I was at the Giants A's game on Monday and Tuesday um, of this past week. Uh, you know, they had their little tune up Bay Bridge series before the uh, MLB's opening day on Thursday. So right. it was uh, it was definitely odd watching a real baseball game with no fans in the stadium. I actually caught a foul ball. Uh, I saw that. I saw that. Pretty funny. I've never caught a foul ball before. I don't think I would have caught it if the uh, stadium was em wasn't empty. Uh, but it's weird. But it, it felt good to to watch sports again. And from my perspective, it both the A's and the Giants uh, were being very cautious and safe uh, with everyone who was in the stadium to protect us and protect the players. So, you know, hopefully that's a that that bodes well for the rest of the season and all the other teams that'll be playing. Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed. Um, it's actually a bit of a tough day for me uh, as a Giants fan. Right before we hopped on this call, I saw that the Dodgers are finalizing a deal with Mookie Betts. Mookie is one of my favorite players. So the day has been off to a rough start, but you're right. It's great to at least see sports. I believe NBA starts next week. Obviously, we know the Warriors will be continuing to rest, which I don't have any complaints about. And NFL is starting to turn into a thing where it's, hey, what what's the deal here? What, what are the plans in place? So a lot is going on, but at least we have some form of normalcy with at least seeing the teams play. So you being able to go to the games, that's obviously a perk of one of one of the perks of your job. So let's kind of get into your job and how you started on this path and how I want to phrase this question is, when did you know or think you wanted to become an anchor? And then my second part of that question is, when did you find out what that job entails? and still decide that you wanted to have that job. Because I think a lot of us as kids were like, wow, that looks cool to be on TV. And then you find out, well, you gotta go here, then you got there. It's almost like being a, a coach, like a college coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And and you won't get paid a lot in the beginning. Right. Uh, it's funny, well, you mentioned in the beginning, you get to go to the games and that's the perks 
that's one of the perks of the job. And honestly, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to become uh, a sports anchor or reporter, you know, in some shape or form. You know, I played sports my whole life. Uh, really, really, you know, developed a passion for sports probably, you know, as young as second, third grade. Uh, but once I got to high school and you start thinking, okay, what's next? And you realize I'm not going to be playing in the NBA. Right. <laughs> I wasn't dealt that hand. I wasn't blessed with uh, some of the talents that some of my close friends had and, you know, in the basketball world, how can I continue to make sports a part of my life, a main part of my life, uh, even if I'm not a pro athlete? And the first thing I thought of was, hey, you know, I can be a sports commentator in mm -hmm. some shape or form. I didn't specify it to, you know, a sports anchor on TV. I was thinking maybe play-by-play, -play, maybe a sports columnist for a paper. But I knew I wanted to be up close and personal at athletic events, you know. And so right then and there, um, I put my mind to doing that. And it kind of all just fell into place for me so perfectly because it just so happened that this was all coincidentally, my mom and my father, they both went to Syracuse University. So I was well aware of that school. We rooted for their athletic programs. You know, I remember in 2003, we were all at the house watching Mello right. and Jerry McNamara win the, win the national championship. So I had Syracuse just ingrained in my brain. It wasn't like I always knew I wanted to go there fact my parents never had any they could care less where I went if I went there or not they weren't mm -hmm. that those type of oh we want you guys to go to Syracuse but just having Syracuse on my mind when I made up what I wanted to do in college I, I realized that Syracuse had one of the top communication and journalism programs in the country if not the best of course I'm going to say it's the best uh, but it's no argument that it's one of the best so it just made sense it's like all right my parents went there they they turn out some of the best media sports media members in the world let me try to go there so i made it my mission get into syracuse get into the newhouse school of uh communications and i was able to do that you know uh i didn't get into the newhouse school originally i got into the business school uh the newhouse requirements man like coming out of high school is essentially the same as the ivy league school like right. three eight three eight gpa you know 1400 sat out of 16 those were the scores the kids who were getting into that school so i knew it would be a long shot i was an average student i wasn't a bad student but i was average and mm -hmm. you know you had to be a little better than average to get into new house out of high school but um you know you had the opportunity to transfer in after your first year if you had a certain GPA, I think it was a, I think it was a three, seven. And uh, I was like, all right, you got to do this. And I never got over, never got over like a three, five in high school. Mm -hmm. You know, I think my QM GPA was probably like a three, three, five. Right. Uh, so I was a little nervous. I was like, man, am I going to be able to get a three, seven? But man, one of the proudest moments of my life is when I got into new house. Cause I had never worked so hard at school that whole year. I mean, I was in the library all the time and you had to take a full course load. You couldn't kind of cheat your way in. Like 
you had to take 30 credits, 15 each semester. You had to take certain classes. Uh, and I buckled down and I got into Newhouse. And that's really when the, the TV dream started. And to answer your second question, that's really when I found out what it entails to be yeah. a sports, you know, a sports journalist, whether you're doing play-by-play, -play, whether you're a television anchor, whether you're just a, a print writer or radio. It's a grind. And most of all of our teachers are former people in the business who have retired and just going on to teach full time. Some of them also still were in the business and they were just uh, they would just teach on certain semesters. So they told us we were well aware, you know, that first class in Newhouse had to play catch up a little bit because I couldn't take any Newhouse classes my freshman year. But as soon as you get into Newhouse, they let you know and you do see a lot of people drop that major. It just because it's not for everybody, you know, mm -hmm. it's very humble beginnings. You're, you're not making a lot of money. You're living in these obscure cities. Now you get some people who get lucky and they might be able to start at a small market near their hometown or this and that. So it's not as bad, but you know, I, I'm coming from a place like Philadelphia. There's not many small markets on the East coast. No, you know, no. we got Philly, DC, Baltimore, New York city, Boston, all big time cities. Yeah. So, you know, I I had to, you know, go to some places where I never thought I'd live and, you know, making peanuts and, you know, you see all your friends make so much more money than you. Not that that's like, like a main motivator, but it's like, man, like I was in college. I got great grades. I was a great student. I know I was a dual major in the business school too. I know I can move to New York City and get a you know, get a, a finance job or something and be living well. But, you know, I just stuck to my dream. And, you know, within the first three years of the business, you usually see a lot of people just drop out like flies. Mm -hmm. And that's not a that's not me criticizing them because everybody has different wants in life. And, you know, as you grow older, certain things become more important. But to me, it was always like this this is the most important thing to me. I got to see this out. And then especially after I left North Dakota, I was like, I didn't live in North Dakota for no reason. <laughs> right. I'm going to see this through. Right, right. I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's too late. My mom used to be like, Jay, you have great grades. You have a great resume. You could go back to grad school. You can do anything you want. Because, you know, we'd have those calls where I'm like doubting myself. And I'm like, you know what, mom? Nah, I got to see this through. Got to mm -hmm. see this through. Yeah. I it's it, I'm kind of speechless here just because you know the path that you took it's almost similar maybe for lack of a better term to or the path that you have to take to get to where you want to go it's kind of like the the minor leagues in a way you know and it's like you're not to call these other cities minor leagues but I mean there's big cities and small cities and when you work so hard to get somewhere and the same as in the minor leagues if you're in single a for a really long time if they don't cut you because most of the time they, they will in that situation but if maybe you do get cut and you're thinking should i go to indie ball or maybe it's time to hang them up and there, there's people and there's people that decide to hang them up there's people that don't decide to hang them up but still haven't gotten to where they would like to be and it just it just kind of becomes a decision i think what you said about that 
kind of the starting point for you, that's very important because now you have a situation and I don't know how this affects you as an anchor, if it does at all. I know you do quarantine hoops, but now you have this explosion of podcasts and people like me who like to talk and a couple of people have said, hey, you're pretty good at this, start a podcast. I, I don't know if you would consider it competition, but it is interesting um, the whole new realm that has come. Like like I said, when I grew up watching Cron 4 News or or even ESPN, those are the only places to get that type of information. Now, you don't even need to buy a mic. Computers have mics and the information's everywhere. That being said, you need to have backing, right? One thing about podcasts and and networking I don't think some of these podcasts that do these crazy numbers, it's not necessarily good content. It's just because so-and-so told you to listen and you trust so-and-so who's a celebrity. And now it's a quote unquote good podcast. So I kind of came off the cuff with that one, but I am interested to get your take on this kind of new era that we're in, in terms of media in general. No, I agree with almost everything you said, especially the last thing, you know, some of the best con- uh, podcasts aren't even, well, not, not the best podcasts. Some of the most popular podcasts aren't necessarily the greatest content. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they might have a great concept, but, you know, whether it's the hosts or just something about it is not there. Like, some of my, I'm not a huge, huge podcast person because I just, you know, for my job, you consume so much. Sometimes yeah. you don't break from all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not a huge podcast guy, but some of my favorite ones aren't the most popular ones. Like, you know, I don't want to call any podcasts uh, out by name, but it's like some of the most popular ones. I've given them a listen. It's like, eh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's cool. But yeah, you guys are like sponsored by Hennessy, you know, and you got a huge platform. So you're going to you're going to do well. Yeah. You know? Um, but just this whole explosion of media and content, I wouldn't say it's made my job harder. It's just made me realize that I have to be able to do multiple things. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of the older generation being pushed out of this business because they're not savvy to that. Like you, you can't just be like the you know, the anchor who strolls into work at, at, at 3 p.m., you know sits down and reads the sports highlights and leaves. You, right. you can't do that anymore. And the guys who can only do that, they're slowly getting pushed out of the business. You got to be able to adapt. You know, you, you got to be able to hop on a podcast if you have to. You have to go out and break stories if you have to. You know, you have to be a great anchor. It's just you have to, you, you, you have to be good at so many different things nowadays. And even if you're not great at all of them, at least – have a concept on how to do things, you know, at Cron, we have, it's essentially, we don't title it a podcast. It's more of a digital show. It's a digital only show. It's called Bay Area Sports Night. It's on the shelf right now because during COVID, there just wasn't really enough going on to continue it. But we're going to bring it back eventually. It's Bay Area Sports Night, but it's essentially a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I host it with a couple of our sports anchors and, we have Bay Area athletes on. We have we hit on you know all the top national sports headlines, and 
it's pretty dope and it's essentially a podcast that's something that our bosses brought to us and was like yo we have to do this and it's yeah. going to be a priority you know we have to keep up with all the competition out there we just can't be your traditional news station we have to do a lot and so it's made it's just made it you know it's made it harder in that sense where you just you have to be able to do a lot of things and uh you know, it's a challenge, but it's fun. You know, I was doing that quarantine hoop stuff because I didn't want to just be sitting on my butt during the pandemic, you know, not turning content because I go on Instagram, I see other people turning content. I, I got to do the same thing. And it, you know, picked up steam. It was great. And, you know, sports are starting again now, basketball starting again. So kind of the whole concept of that is kind of faltered, but, you know, we're back to work now. So, right. uh, you, you know, you just got to be able to do a lot of things. You can't be that traditional news anchor that we saw growing up who just sits in the chair, reads the news and leaves every day. You, you got to be able to do it all. Yeah. I would say that on all levels being flexible, dynamic are all words that you could probably use. And to speak to what you said about, some of these podcasts just with a big following just because you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of netflix and this has grinded yeah. my gears for a little bit because shows like i don't know if you watch the show you and shows like all american that i, I am um a 30 year old that in the bay area that still has cable so i i think i'm kind of a unicorn but i yeah. watch these shows live i still dvr all that good stuff I tell people, hey, these shows are good, da 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 nothing. As soon as they go on Netflix and they're trending, now these shows are good. Are they yeah. any better than they were on the cable shows? No, they're the same show. So funny you said that because I watched All American on the CW before it was even on Netflix. Same, same, same. And, uh, you know, so like everybody was hype on it. I was like, dude, I saw that months ago. And it, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was good, but it's not as good as y'all are making it seem. Right, right. Top five trending in the U.S. sounds high to me, but I, I think at the time there was literally nothing, and it was just the only version of sports that was around. Right. Um, but can't wait for season three um, and all that good stuff. So moving on to, you know, now that you you are established, and I really wanted to talk about how you got there because people need to understand that becoming a sports director and top sports anchor in a top five um, market, you, yeah. that just doesn't happen every night, overnight. It just doesn't. Um, so obviously, kudos to you there. I, I do want to talk about, though, the fact that looking at you right now, you are a Black man, you are an African-American man, and so am I. And it's very interesting. Like, I went a couple, I mean, everything before the pandemic seems eons ago but i saw jamel hill speak not too long ago at berkeley and just the idea of you know the black journalists and the coalitions that they have and the idea that we are underrepresented even though like like i said earlier you can everybody's got a podcast everybody's writing on medium there's a lot of places to find and it's a job that a lot of people want so there shouldn't be an excuse for certain outlets to just not be able to diversify. I wanted you to just kind of speak in a general sense to any parallels you see between, um, I guess, yeah, what you do 
and kind of the other sports media, I guess, Cron 4 is a local thing. And then you have the, the media that is not necessarily local. They're just churning info out. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'll get to your point on representation, first of all. So, you know, I think Black representation in the media is terrible. You know, uh, we need more of it. Um, it's just something that, I mean, and you can probably break it down into pretty much any business or mm -hmm. any profession in the society, but, you know, I'm in media, I'm in journalism, so I'll talk about that, and I'll talk specifically sports journalism. So, like, for instance, at most TV stations around the country, local TV stations, local news stations, you have, you know, two to four on-air sports talent. You know, mm -hmm. uh, usually around two or three, depending, you know, some stations might have four, but when my whole career, and this is just how I've been conditioned after seeing how it is in this industry, if I'm applying to a television station or I want to, I see an opening in a, in a sports department at a TV station, I immediately go to the station's page and see who else is in the sports department. And if I see a black person in the sports department, I tell myself, I'm probably not going to get the job because they already have their black person. Yeah. White people don't do that. They don't have to worry about that. There's never in the history, you know, obviously there are probably exceptions and outliers, but for the most case, I doubt there's ever been a white person who has gone to apply for a job and be like, man, they have another white person. I'm not going to get that job. That happened. That's a reality for me. And yeah. for every black person in this business. Uh, we're not crazy. We're not making this stuff up. It's just the way it is, you know? Oh, they have their black person. You know, I can say women go through this in some cases. I'm sure it happens to women a lot too. Like, oh, well, you know, if there's an opening and a woman goes to apply and she looks and she's like, oh, they pro they have their woman in the sports department. They're probably not going to have more than one. Um, so women can go through that too. But with with black people, it's like, First of all, there's usually only want to be one of us in the sports department. So, like, if, for instance, Crown 4 has an opening now, and, you know, I'm sure if someone who looked like me went to apply for the job, I'm sure they'll still apply, but if they look, they probably go through the same thing. They have, have the similar, similar thoughts, because I'm here yeah. already, and it's just unfortunate, and it shouldn't be that way. And, you know, especially in sports, the thing that kind of – irks me the most is how come sports can be absolutely dominated by black faces, but when it comes to people talking about them in the media, it's mostly white faces. The people coaching them is mostly white faces. Like, why is it like that? And, you know, it just, it just draws to a bigger problem, you know, in our society, one that we're really fighting for right now and everybody's talking about. Uh, but I just want people to think about that. Like, mm -hmm. think about those points that I just brought up, especially our white allies. Uh, you know, those are things that we have to go through, you know, and those are things that can't happen anymore. You, you know, I shouldn't have this feeling that I'm not going to get a job because there's already a black guy in the sports department. Right. You never see more than one. You never do. You just look, go start at market one and go down. Some markets don't even have any. Here in the Bay, it's me 
it's me at Cron 4. Uh, we have one at CBS, you know, a black, a black sports anchor. And then there might be some at, there might be some at NBC Sports Bay Area, you know, on, I'm talking on-air talent. Now there's some writers, you know, uh, Logan Murdoch TV, you got Bonte, you know him, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Hen you know, you just Vern Glenn at CBS. There's, there's a few of us, but I mean, I can probably count on one hand and, and it's just like, we got to break that. we got to break, like, that's not normal. It's, it's been normalized in our society. Like that's just, people don't bat their eye at it. But when you really think about it, that shouldn't be normal. It just shouldn't. I shouldn't feel that way when I'm going to apply to a job. If I see another black person there saying, I'm not going to get into that sports department. They already have their black guy. You know, they filled their quota. Right. And honestly, with everything that has happened, the the thing that I I've been told has helped is specific examples like you just gave. Like like you said, for our white allies. Put yourself in a situation where you just applied for a job and you're or you're going to apply for a job and you see that there are multiple white people. Have you ever thought, oh man? I don't think I'm going to get that job because they already have their white people. Never. You know, my little sister did pageants, right? Did pageants all growing up, even into her 20s. You know what we would say? Same thing. The reigning queen is always there during the pageant. If that reigning queen was black, we already kind of knew they're this probably isn't it. They're not going to go two in a row. No, 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 no. they're not yeah, going to go two in a row. I'm going to say without you finishing your sentence. It's, exactly. It's, we're all on the same page. And sometimes I feel like white people think we're crazy. It's right. like, we're not crazy. This is really happening. We, we don't have all this built up, pent up frustration for nothing. We're not lunatics. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in our shoes. And then maybe you would understand our frustration, our anger sometimes. Yeah, it's just it's just so interesting because you hear a lot and I, I do and even when you go to national, right? Even when you think of like an ESPN, that's mm -hmm. a tough spot because they do a they do a good job. I feel like every you'll see like the new like new talent is in and out a lot. And then they have their staples. But some of their staples have been there literally from when we were kids. And it's almost like we respect what they've done. We respect what they do. When are the keys going to get turned over? And it, I also wanted to talk about the fact that it, they're almost like unicorns, like people like you and Stephen A, these guys that didn't play professionally. Because a lot of the times, what do you see? Like the new um setup that you'll see a lot the person that didn't play a sport is almost always white and then the black person the black analyst is the pro so so really it's like that's the only way we will let you guys get in because you actually played but meanwhile the the white person we know that they know how to analyze things even yeah, though they didn't play yeah the white person anchors the coverage and then he has the an uh analyst yeah i mean you just you don't see you don't see enough of us in a space that's dominated by us on the fields in the courts it's like mm -hmm. how come one can be that way but the other can't um and it, it, it's just sad but you know 
representation is important because when I was younger and I saw sports anchors who look like me, and like I and like you said, not analysts, not former pro athletes. When I'm talking about journalists, anchors, reporters who look like me, it gave me confidence to be able to uh, to be able to go up and pursue these these goals. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're young and impressionable, you don't realize how much how important that is until you look back. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. And it's something that doesn't go away. I mean, when I, I don't know how I came across your profile on Twitter, but I did. And when I did, especially when I saw you were from Philly, I had to throw you a follow and reach out, but even just seeing, wow, crown Four, you know, one of the news stations that I grew up with, this guy's a sports director. Oh, I got, you know, I got to hit him up just, just for GP. Like I had to. So it's it's something that helps when you're growing up, but I don't know that it ever goes away, you know, because whenever I have kids, I want them to see the same thing. And then I'm going to say, look, come see this. So it's kind of like the only way we're going to continue to make sure that the youth sees that these things are possible. And like you said, that kind of got helped to get you started on your path because it lets you know, hey, I can do this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's pivot a little bit to, it might be a bit of an obvious question, but, ob- but as you said, you're starting to get out more with sports starting back up, but how was quarantine for a job like yours? You know, a lot of us, uh, you're in the Bay area, everybody is, uh, you know, super connected in the tech world. So zoom this zoom that work doesn't really change besides the free lunches and things like that. How, has, how was it for you and how long did it take to find a new groove? Uh, I'm not going to lie. Quarantine. My job during quarantine was brutal. Uh, I never complained because I was just blessed to have a job. I saw mm-hmm. people getting laid off and furloughed left and right. So I didn't dare to form my lips to complain, but I was relegated mostly to doing news. And I'm a sports guy through and through. I'll be honest, I have absolutely no interest in being a news reporter. I feel like in order to be good at your job, you have to want to do it, you have to care about it. And the passion just isn't there for hard news. So it was literally a struggle every day going into work. I was like, this this is gonna be the longest day ever. Right. you know, but, you know, I put down my best effort. You know, I feel like I did turn some quality news stories. Um, but once I got that promotion to sports director and I went back to sports full time, oh, man, life life at work got so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Because uh, there was just no sports going on and my station needed me to help out in other areas. And, you know, I'll always be a team player. I'll always put the benefit of the team ahead of me personally, especially in a position like this. So, you know, I put my work hat on and I grinded, but yeah, it was not fun. You know, I didn't enjoy it. You know, I think my boss, you know, he knew that he knows, he knows I'm a sports guy. He knows I'm not really into reporting news. If I had to be a news reporter, I wouldn't be in this business. You know, I'd be, I'd be somewhere making a lot of money like on wall street or something. Yeah. Not, you know, not, that's just not my passion doing news, but sports, sports is my passion and I love it. And I come into work every day excited. So, um, 
the quarantine was different, man. Just going back to doing news. I had done some spot news coverage at some of the other stations that I've worked at in my career, just out of necessity. Um, and it just brought me back to some of those days. But I am glad I am not in that role anymore where I have to do that. And, uh, you know, whatever. It was lesson learned. <laughs> right, right. You definitely got through it. I will say, I know we, we pivoted a bit, but I just, I can't help myself. To be in your position, I'm going to go out on a limb that's not really on a limb and say, coming from someone who gets it all the time as well, I'm going to go ahead and say that you've gotten a lot of, wow, you are very articulate. You speak uh, very well. I'm sure that's just a staple for you. Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest, I haven't gotten it much lately, you know, in the past couple of years, because I think... I'm very outspoken about stuff like that, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, people know how I feel. So unless they just met me, they know not to say something like that around me because they will get checked and corrected real quick. Yeah. That used to happen in high school and, and, and growing up in a predominantly white space. Like I went to private schools and stuff. Same, and, same, same. You know, so... They is it's almost it's funny because they think they're complimenting you, but they're not. Like, and it's not. It, it 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 usually it probably doesn't even come out of a bad place. They're just ignorant. Mm -hmm. Like they don't realize how offensive that is. You're surprised right. that I can speak well because I'm black. Come on, like that's that's offensive. So I haven't gotten that in a real long time, and I'm really happy I haven't. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, it's 2020. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be that ignorant. You should know how ignorant that is, and I'll tell you that if you tell me that. Mm -hmm. So I haven't. I haven't had to let anybody know that in a really long time. But yeah, you you definitely see it. You definitely see it, and it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Right. Well, I'm glad that it's cooled off for you a bit. I know that it's you know regard and i and obviously being an anchor you have to speak well but even you know people in tech industries anybody like that uh that is a person of color most of the time if you're somewhat successful you've heard it at some point in your life yeah. um and again thank you for 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 joining we are here with jason dumas sports director and anchor for cron 4 news we're talking about some great stuff here. I, I did want to get into something and even just talking to you throughout this conversation, I wouldn't say there were things that I thought about differently, but I, I do want to get into what do you think is maybe one or a couple common misconceptions about maybe specifically being a sports anchor. Um, and yeah, just to let the good people know the listeners, if you've thought something in here, if you think that we memorize, you know, whatever the case is, uh, what do you think people think that, what do you get a lot maybe that's just not true at all? Uh, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, there's a couple of things. Here's the first one. And it's been happening more and more to me lately. Maybe it's just me, but it's a pet peeve. Maybe others don't feel the same way, but when people like, when people want to connect and network with me, I'm all for networking. You know, I, I do it still. I did it a lot coming out of school. You know, you got to network to help yourself get ahead. A lot of the times in this world, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, but 
it's a pet peeve of mine when someone comes at me and is like, hey, Jason, I'm trying to get into the sports industry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, well, that can mean so many things. First of all, I'm a journalist. That's what I am at the core. You know, we tell stories, we share content, we share facts. You know, at the root of everything, I'm a journalist. And my beat, what I focus on happens to be sports. So when someone says to me, I want to be in the sports industry, what does that really mean? Do you, do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be in ticket sales? Like, yeah. I'm a journalist. Do you, do you want to like, do you want to be a sports journalist? Do you want to be an anchor? I can help you out. Uh, because I have people who, who come at me and they say that and I look at their LinkedIn and like their background is like ticket sales, ticket sales for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Or it's like, you know, so... Or like, you know, they'll, they'll send me their resume. I was like, well, do you have any writing samples? Do you have a, a, a demo reel? And I try to be constructive and, and lead them the right way. But I feel like people don't realize sometimes that I'm a journalist. Like, you know, I'm not just in the sports industry. I'm a journalist. I'm actually not really in the sports industry. I'm a journalist and I cover sports. Right. Um, so that that's one misconception. And then the other is just... It's the obvious one, you know, people think it's so glamorous, but, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm in the back, I'm in the, you know, in the background, busting my tail, you know, editing my own stuff, producing my own stuff. Now I've helped, especially here at Crime, you know, once you get it to this point, but it's not, it still is not all glitz and glamour. I'm running around sweating like a pig. They think, they just see the part where I'm on TV with makeup on smiling or interviewing an athlete and they think that's what it is. There mm -hmm. is so much more. That's really just the end product. Right. The whole 90% of your day is the other stuff that people don't really realize. And, and, um, you know, uh, so that's a common misconception and people don't know how much work goes into it. The end product. They kind of think you just show up to the station, hop on set and talk about sports. Right. It's a whole day of prep. You know it, you know, yep, yep. a whole day of prep. So they just see the end result and they think that's what it is. And it's really not. It's not at all. That's like literally that's that's the end result. And that's the least amount of work of my day. The actual part where I'm sitting on TV. That's the fun part. That's right. when I can kind of let loose and smile. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm so many things happen behind the scenes and, you know, Sure, it wasn't about sports, but I mean, and you shouldn't reference this movie for anything serious, but you, you watch an Anchorman or even some of these uh, sitcoms about journalists and, and anchors, things like that. You show up, you read the teleprompter and you leave and that's it. And you go home. So I, I completely hear you on that. I do want to dig in when you started talking, it, it made me. It kind of a, a light bulb went off for me because I do want to talk about you have a and it's and i looked it up you started cron 4 in 2018 i believe right yeah yeah two so years, two years in august so already sports director you're cl clearly doing some really good things over there and it's a probably a somewhat recent promotion so you change your linkedin you change your all your socials mm -hmm. and now you have you're probably getting you're probably getting hit up more but i would imagine you throw that title on there, you're, you're getting hit up a good bit. Does it feel 
or do you feel, I don't know if burden is the right word, like when a black person does reach out to you, do you feel like, all right, let me at least do what I can to help this person, um, at, like pay it forward in a way? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I won't lie, I'm pretty good at getting back to everybody because right. I always just put myself in their shoes. So whether they're black, white, you know, any creed, male, female, I'm going to get back, get back to you if if I can, if I see it, if I, if it might slip my mind, but it wasn't on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, when I do see a black face, it definitely resonates with me because of what we were talking about earlier. There's, there's not many of us. There's just not. Right. And representation is so important. And having people who, who are in your corner is also very important. So you're right. I have definitely got hit up a lot more in the past, what, two, three weeks since I've gotten this promotion. I think it's been three weeks now since I've gotten this promotion. Well, congrats. Cause and, I didn't know it was that, you know, recent. So definitely congrats to you. Yeah, you know, it's uh it's funny. I joke around, it's like all of a sudden it's like I have a lot of more a lot more friends. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, but you know, I try to I try to treat everybody the same no matter what. And you know, I think I've done a good job of doing that. I just will say like people should definitely be mindful about the approach, how you approach someone. You, you know what I mean? If if you haven't talked to me in years, and even when we were around each other, we weren't really close. I mean, we didn't really speak much to each other. Don't don't reach out like we're best friends. Like, yeah. Let's not like don't insult my intelligence. Let's not play coy. Just be like, hey man, you know we went to school together back at Q's. We haven't we haven't chatted that much in a while. Congrats. Like, I was wondering is you can help me out with this. You know, just be real. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, Any, anybody listening, don't if because I do know people do wonder for anything really. I would say any anything you're asking, whether whatever it is, don't do the small talk because we know we haven't spoken. So you probably at least want something. You're gonna ask about something, so just ask it all in one message. We don't need to do the small talk thing. Just be honest too, like. You know how I many people I've hit up, whether it's about inquiring about a job opening at their station or, you know, maybe just wanting to pick their brain. And I've just said something like, hey, man, I know you don't know me from a can of paint. You know, I've been watching from you, watching you from afar, and I really, like, respect your grind. I respect the, uh, the goals that you've accomplished. Do you have, like, 10 minutes? That is just refreshing to hear instead of, like, hey, like, how you been, bro? Like, like. You know, I know yeah. you won't be reaching out if you didn't want something from me, and that's fine. I, that's fine. Sure. Like, you know, but don't don't play coy. Just be real. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, Jason, this has been an incredible interview. I want to thank you for taking the time, but I cannot let you get out of here without having some Philly talk. So, you know, Jason grew up in Philly. Everybody knows I went to Temple, go Owls. I saw on Quarantine Hoops, you interviewed my boy. I don't know that we ever spoke, but Khalif Wyatt, he was at Temple uh, while I was there. And he, I, we called him like the mini Paul Pierce because he, he played very similar to him. It's just like, he's not moving fast, but for some reason he's it's getting anytime. wherever he wants to go. Um, 
But I want to talk about. I'm assuming your your te- you have your teams are Philly, all Philly yeah. teams. Yeah, all four, all four pro Philly teams. Those are my teams. Okay, just had to check, had to check, and you know me, I've kind of adopted them. We'll have to do another conversation because I I do like the Sixers. Do I like the Sixers right now? No, but we'll have to talk about that another day. The most important thing we need to talk about, though, is I'm going to you give me your pick for the best cheesesteak in Philly, the best spot. You saw Creed. Now everybody thinks I think that was at Jim's. Where's your spot? And I'll give my spot. Creed was Max's in North Philly. Oh, Max's Max's. Um, That's such a tough question. So I guess I got to answer it with a a place that's kind of known, because if I just told you my favorite spot is really just you know, down the street from my house. No one's ever heard of it. Yeah. And in Philly, you can really get a cheese, pretty good cheesesteak anywhere. But I'm going to go out on a limb. People don't really talk about this spot as much, and I love it. Uh, Larry's. It's, it's, on the, it's on St. Joe's University's campus. It's right off City Line Avenue. Larry's home of the Belly Buster. If you go in there, they got pictures of AI in there, Kobe in there, Jay Wright. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're popular enough. People know in the city know where Larry's is, right in West Philly. Got That's it. probably my favorite, man, of the known spots. I like gyms on South Street and stuff, but Larry's. Larry's, they make a great chicken cheese steak, too. The people who work there are great. They're open late night, and they got outside seating, so you can just – I just remember summer nights with my boys. We're coming back from the bar or, or, or coming, coming home from a long basketball tournament, and it's late at night to go to Larry's, you know, one of my close friends growing up played at St. Joe's. So we would go watch him play. And then after go to Larry's and get cheesesteaks. So they have great food. And then just a lot of fond memories and nostalgia uh, of that place. And I pretty much every time I'm home, I stop by there and I grab a cheesesteak. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, St. Joe's big five, big yeah. five rivalry. We, we, we didn't make it over there, but you know, now that, now that, Time has passed. Next time I'm out there, I'm definitely going to give it a look. You know, for me, I don't think – I think anyone that ever says Pat's or Geno's is just you're – can't you're, you're done. No one um, says that. Right. Um, but I'm going to go Ishkabibbles. I don't know if you've been to Ishkabibbles, but – I mean, you know, I, I was there last year, and it was just as good as I remember. That's always been my pick. Iskabibbles also, Iskabibbles actually probably has the best chicken cheesesteak in the city. I, I love if I've had the chicken, chicken one. Oh, the chicken, they're known for the chicken cheesesteak too. Their cheesesteak is great. Iskabibbles is great. And, and, you know, there's multiple ones, but the one on South Street is just, you know, a block up from Jim's. Yep, that's so, the one. Yeah, so that's the one you go to. So you got your people who pick Iskabibbles, you pick Jim's. Uh, you know, honestly, between those two, I usually pick the one with the shorter line. Yeah. But gyms, their line be crazy sometimes. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Right. So I find myself often at Ishkabibbles, and yeah, they make really good steaks too. They have great milkshakes too over there at Ishkabibbles. So right, they're great. No, you definitely, you can tell you've lived in Philly with an answer like that. Right. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I I'm glad I I passed the test. Yeah. Um, but again, Jason, I want to thank you for your time, everyone. Like I've said. Jason Dumas, Cron 4 News, sports director and sports anchor. Thanks for the time, Jason. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. And once we get past this pandemic and shelter in place, we definitely got to step out and get a beer.
I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's great things. You're a great representation for the youth and everybody aspiring to do uh, similar things. So thanks again. All righty, bro.